Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. A sacrament is when something holy happens. It is transparent time, time which you can see through to something deep inside time. Generally speaking, Protestants have two official sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And Roman Catholics have these two plus five others, confirmation, penance, extreme unction, ordination, and matrimony. In other words, at such milestone moments as seeing a baby baptized or being baptized yourself, confessing your sins, getting married, dying, you are apt to catch a glimpse of the almost unbearable preciousness and mystery of life. Needless to say, church isn't the only place where the holy happens. Sacramental moments can occur at any moment, any place, and to anybody. Watching something get born, making love, a high school graduation, somebody coming to see you when you're sick, a meal with people you love, looking into a stranger's eyes and finding out he's not a stranger. If we weren't blind as bats, we might see that life itself is sacramental. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Hello, I'm Katie Marquette, and welcome to this episode of Born of Wonder, starting the podcast today with two quotes from Frederick Buchner. I hope I'm saying his last name, name right. Um, he was a is a Presbyterian minister, author of uh, many books, many books on spirituality. I think he uh, sums up the topic today really, really well about the sacramental imagination. We're going to be touching on Flannery O'Connor. We'll be talking a little bit about Kristen Lavren's daughter and uh, just drawing on the idea of, of, of art as a sacramental um, and uh, just, just exploring this idea of having a sacramental worldview and what it means to have a sacramental imagination, a sacramental view of the world in a culture um, quite opposed to these ideas. And uh, you, have to, you have to work hard these days to, to, see, to see the sacramental, to see through the veil. It takes a real effort um, because if you think about uh, the way that life used to be structured, the way that cultures used to be structured, it was with an assumption of sacramentality. It was with a shared understanding of the sacramental worldview. We don't have that today, so we have to fight a little harder to see these things. So I hope that this episode is going to help us all see a little more clearly uh, help us to see the wonder in the everyday, which is really the whole point of this podcast, and uh, just be- better understand, uh, to, to quote Hopkins, you know, that the world is infused with the grandeur of God, alive with the grandeur of God, and how can we see that? How can we participate in it? And what sort of drama and meaning this gives to our lives? So that's going to be the topic today, the sacramental imagination. 
Just a quick introduction first to the podcast. If you are new, I'm Katie Marquette, and on this podcast, we explore anything and everything that inspires wonder and awe in the world. You can keep up with me, uh, read essays, things like that. If you go to bornofwonder.com, you can also contact me there. If you just go to the contact page, sign up for my email newsletter. I send out an email at the end, at the beginning of every month. Uh, just giving you updates about the podcast um, and blog. And I also usually include uh, a decent amount of recommendations of things I've read about around the web. And I've read some very interesting things uh, that I think are very culturally significant uh, in the New York Times and other things this month that I will definitely be including in next month's uh, newsletter. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Every now and then I will write an essay or something like that. I wrote, just wrote a, a just simpering sentimental story piece <laughs> for my daughter's um, birthday uh, last week that I sent out to to those newsletter subscribers. I don't know if that's a, a benefit or a downfall of being a subscriber that you sometimes have to have to receive emails like that, but uh, very kind of the many people who wrote back with their, their thoughts. And I do love to sort of share this experience of motherhood with you all in addition to the things that I'm reading and uh and and watching and just uh learning in the world so sign up for that newsletter on the website and uh again right now i'm off social media but i you can find the born of wonder instagram at born of wonder um and uh yeah so that that that's how that's how you keep in touch with me and of course best thing you can do for the podcast please share it please leave a review if you're on spotify just uh you can actually leave a star rating right now um they don't have a comment option for reviews, but you can leave a star rating. If you're on iTunes, of course, you can leave a star rating and a comment would be so appreciated. I love to read those comments. They mean so much to me and are so important uh, to the podcast. You can also support the podcast on Patreon. I will put the link in the show notes. Thank you so much, patrons. And I sent you all a message recently um, asking for your address if you'd like to receive a, a little letter and a little thank you from me. So you can either comment on that post as some have done or send me a private message. So enough of the uh, backstory here. Let's get into the topic of the day, the day, the sacramental imagination. Let's start uh, with another quote. One of the strange things about living in the world is that it is only every now and then one is quite sure one is going to live forever and ever and ever. One knows that sometimes when one gets up at the tender solemn dawn time and goes out and stands out and throws one's head back far back and looks up and watches the pale sky slowly changing and flushing and marvelous unknown things happening until the east almost makes one cry out and one's heart stands still at the strange unchanging majesty of the rising of the sun which has been happening every morning for thousands and thousands and thousands of years one knows it then for a moment or so and one knows it sometimes when one stands by oneself in a wood at sunset and the mysterious deep gold stillness slanting through and under the branches seems to be saying slowly again and again something one cannot quite hear however much one tries then sometimes the immense quiet of the dark blue at night with the millions of stars waiting and watching makes one sure and sometimes a sound of far-off music makes it true and sometimes a look in someone's eyes that is from uh, Francis Hodgson's Burnett's The Secret Garden. Such a beautiful story, such a beautiful book, um, and a absolutely wonderful, uh, beautiful example of the sacramental imagination at work. Uh, a deeply theological story, if you if you don't know the story, just the basic premise is uh, 
that these these children um, who for various reasons have sort of been uh, become very jaded with the world, become real cynics at a young age, um, and also don't really have much experience of the natural world, are introduced to this garden and uh, through and uh, this this other child who does know the land, who does know the love of family and knows how to name the flowers and knows all the names of the animals, um, teaches them and brings them into this garden and they just slowly watch it grow and emerge. And as they as they discover this, they discover, um, a deep feeling of meaning and wonder in the world that they had lost a sense of connection a sense of understanding and of course their kindness and compassion and everything else grows with it so you can see just the deep deep theological story going on here with a return to the garden a return to growing things a return to eden uh happening here with these children and uh the sacramental worldview says this isn't just a garden this is a garden that is representative of so many other things a sacramental worldview is primarily metaphorical uh you know one thing is like another and this is how we understand the world a tree is not just a tree but it is like so many other things and as human beings we best understand things through metaphors so if you um if you you remember uh, from your um, confirmation class, uh, sacrament. What is a sacrament? A sacrament is the physical manifestation of an invisible reality. So that's why there are that a sacrament is primarily physical. Again, the there is always um, a physical aspect to the sacrament, right? The holy water, uh, things like that. The the bread, the wine. There is a there is something to touch, to feel, to experience here in the physical realm that is not just representative, but in the sort of um, profundity and the spiritual reality of what is happening actually becomes the things that it represents. And that is the, the beauty and the power of the sacrament. So a sacramental imagination is able to take what actually happens in the sacraments and see it uh, all throughout the world to sort of see that one thing uh, is not just uh, just as it appears that you, maybe you see, you see a beautiful sunset, but behind behind that beautiful sunset you see the creator of that beautiful sunset, very similar to a sort of Wordsworthian sense of the sublime, right? The sublime means beyond beyond what you are seeing. Beyond you hear a lot of talk about the veil, about seeing through the veil that we are we are seeing dimly, as Saint Paul says, we are seeing dimly through a mirror, but finally we will see clearly someday but right now we are looking at the world through the eyes of a uh, through, through our imagination and what a beautiful thing to have an imagination another quote here from the secret garden of course there must be lots of magic in the world but people don't know what it is like or how to make it perhaps the beginning is just to say nice things are going to happen until you make them happen i'm going to try and experiment so something, some, some wise words there from uh, one of the children, which is that we sort of, we manifest, uh, we manifest our reality in the world, right? Uh, and this isn't to say that we're making things up or anything like that, but to say that the way, uh, the way that we view things matters and the knowledge of things that we, that we bring to them matters immensely. And a sacramental imagination, a sacramental worldview is going to understand things uh, for the, for the deeper meanings that they have. So let me take this a little bit out of the abstract because I know that this can seem sort of like, what am I actually talking about? So uh, I'll just give you an example from my own life. 
Uh, okay, so this was, I guess, two years ago now. Um, I was having a really rough start to Lent. Uh, just It was just like a tough time in my life. A lot of things were going on. I was, I think I had just come back from sort of a weepy therapist session with my priest. And um, I came home and it was the first day of Lent. And we have a little statue of Mary in our garden. And I saw that uh, even though it was still really, really cold out, that uh, flowers had started to bloom at her feet. And of course, I thought this was very beautiful, very poetic, and, you know, maybe maybe very meaningful, maybe a, a little gift for me. Um, so I, I took it as that. It was meaningful me, for me to see that. But actually, later on, I, uh, I, I downloaded one of those plant identifying apps and started, you know, walking them all around the garden and things like that. The person who lived here before was a master gardener. So... We, uh, we have flowers popping up that we don't actually know what they are. Uh, and so when I got to this, this particular flower, I learned that it's called a Lenten rose. So you can imagine sort of just the depth of my feeling when I realized that not only had these flowers bloomed at this difficult time in my personal life, but they had bloomed on the first day of Lent at Mary's feet, these Lenten roses. And it really was a really just a beautiful gift. It was beautiful. I still, you know, it's it's an amazing thing that happens. But I had to I had to have a certain knowledge uh, to see to see what had happened um, because maybe I could have walked by and not noticed the flowers. Maybe I could have not been looking at all. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have um, looked up what the flowers are. Maybe I wouldn't have known it was the first day of Lent and all these things. You see, you see how these sort of layers of knowledge um, can bring deeper meaning to our lives. And I think that that is what we've lost in a society that is is not structured anymore um, around uh, the liturgical year or, or <laughs> really around anything. But, uh, you know, I, I loved when I studied abroad at Oxford because the term still uh, had were, were referring to feast days. There was Michaelmas term, you know, uh, the, the f- referring to the Feast of St. Michael, the Archangel, and just infusing, um, infusing our world quite particularly and specifically with uh, with the knowledge of spiritual, theological, metaphorical, poetic realities and, uh, and having those reflect in our language and the way we understand time. Uh, and, and it's hard to live like that now um, because nobody else does. <laughs> So uh, if you're trying to live this out in the world, if you, uh, I know that a lot of Catholics are really obsessed with uh, living the liturgical year. Um, You know, Kendra Tierney has that great book, Catholic All Year. You can be doing all sorts of wonderful crafts every single day of the year uh, in order to celebrate various feast days with your kids. Uh, Some people feel sort of an inordinate amount of pressure to do that. And the reason, though, that we actually feel a lot of pressure is that you have to make a serious effort to do that because no one else, uh, maybe outside of your, um, you know, your your Catholic friends, your parish, is going to know what these feast days are. Our world certainly doesn't acknowledge them. Um, if, if your kids go to a, you know, a, a public school or something like that, there's not going to be any markers for this. Uh, we, we live in a, a, a post-Christian um, era, right? So the, the, meaning that we want to infuse into our time and our days quite right uh, to want to do that but it's hard and so if it feels hard it, it, it's because it is hard and you're you're um, you're almost uh, I don't want this to sound the wrong way but you have to sort of play act a little bit uh, I think about this when I go fox hunting um, 
which is, you know, rather eccentric pastime of mine. No foxes are actually hurt if anybody's actually worried about that. But it requires, if you think about these really old paintings, you know, with these people in their, um, they're wearing stock ties and um, red coats and uh, jodhpurs and things like that. And they go just sort of gallivanting around the countryside. Well, that's what I do right now in the 21st century. And sometimes if I'm a little self-aware, it's kind of funny. Um, just, <laughs> just to think about it, you know, the, the horses, the hounds, the, the, the horn and everything. And, um, you know, but half the fun, actually, most of the fun is that we actually take it quite seriously. Uh, there's a hunt secretary that's going to make sure that everything is pressed and neat and everything like that. Um, you know, you better be, your stock better be pinned correctly, all these things. And uh, the reason for this, you know, there used to be sort of uh, practical reasons for these things. Your stock tie, there would be a pin in it so that if you fell off and you need like a tourniquet, you would have one. Uh, and the reason your horse was sort of um, brushed to the nines and all cleaned up was not just to look nice, but because when you're doing that, you notice if there's any cuts or scrapes, you notice uh, any anything wrong with your horse. And, uh, and you could tend to them. Um, there are all these sort of reasons for these things that uh, in some cases do still exist, but right now we sort of have to pretend that they do. And, uh, but in doing that, we actually manifest a reality that uh, may not exist anymore. So no, we don't really live in a time when people dress like that. Um, you know, riding a horse is an immense privilege now. It's not, uh, most people don't know how to ride a horse. So we're sort of acting something out in a sort of, um, uh, so it's not backwards way, but it, but but we're 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 sort of stepping out of time a little bit in order to manifest this reality. But it's a beautiful reality. It's beautiful. It has poetic. Um, it, it has a poetic quality to it. It, it. It's it's valuable. And actually, in acting those things out, we bring uh, certain virtues, certain um, certain aesthetic value uh, back into the world. So it's not a perfect comparison, but in living out the liturgical year and doing these things that sort of the rest of the world is not doing, we we are we're creating something that doesn't really exist anymore. And uh, yes, maybe you're creating a, a small culture within um, your own parish or w within your own family, and that can be good and important. But we're actually sort of it's a it's a beautifully rebellious thing to do in a world that says that we should be measuring time by by money and by, um, you know, corporate standards and all these other things. I think of Wendell Berry, you know, do something that does not compute the great uh, Mad Farmers Liberation Front. Do something that does not compute. And, uh, and, and having a sacramental worldview, living out a liturgical year, saying, I'm going to measure my time by feast days by um by by the by the movement of the stars as it is reflected in the in uh in the cosmic liturgy to uh reference chesterton and uh pope benedict and the spirit of the liturgy to say that that there is a a grander scheme of time and space and meaning that i am going to create that i am going to live by so that is uh, one way to live out the sacramental uh, life and to infuse your life with the sacramental imagination. And the more you learn about uh, your faith and the more you learn about art and poetry and uh, and the natural world, uh, all these things can, can infuse everyday moments with 
immense meaning, like my example of the Lenten roses. So there are so many layers of things I had to know in order to appreciate that moment, in order to see the the poetry that was just being written for me in my everyday life. It makes me wonder how many other just beautiful things like that I have missed because I just didn't have the the knowledge or the eyes or the awareness or the patience to see it. Uh, so, and a lot of people will, will refer to the sacramental imagination when they are uh, talking about people like Flannery O'Connor. I actually find Flannery O'Connor's fiction quite hard to read it, because it's really gory. It's really gory and depressing and violent and, uh, and doesn't have an explicit redemption um, often. But there's always a hope of redemption, isn't there? But... Um, but because she was writing as a Catholic, because she had this worldview, we know, and she infuses all of her characters with this immense gravity, this immense sense of good and evil and hope and despair and that sort of these terrible things that would play out just to to, to no end in a sort of uh, in, in an atheistic worldview that had no understanding of sacramentality, could not see uh, that that the um, that the, the the blood of somebody killed in one of her stories could be uh, a sacrifice on a higher level could not see uh, that that these these um, interactions between people as flawed and as difficult as they are have a deeper meaning potentially just a few Flannery O'Connor quotes here actually this is one of my favorites there is something in us as storytellers and as listeners to stories that demands the redemptive act that demands that what falls at least be offered the chance to be restored the reader of today looks for this motion and rightly so but what he has forgotten is the cost of it his sense of evil is diluted or lacking altogether, and so he has forgotten the price of restoration. When he reads a novel, he either he wants either his sense tormented or his spirits raised. He wants to be transported instantly, either to mock damnation or a mock innocence. So, I mean, her her stories become parables, uh, but but they aren't obvious and this is the other thing about the sacramental imagination is that the world is messy right the world is not full of clear-cut morals and clear-cut uh we we don't understand a lot of what's happening but when you have a sacramental imagination when you have a sacramental world view you see that everything is infused with meaning that uh even what we can't understand is still meaningful and so a lot of Flannery O'Connor's stories give the the chance and the hope of restoration, but it does not come without a price. And I think that that is maybe the difficult part for people. And that's why she ends up being a Southern Gothic writer is that she looks at, she doesn't shy away from the very, very dark aspects of human nature and uh, doesn't shy away from the fact that many people um, are given the chance at restoration, at redemption, and that they turn it down, uh, and that that is uh, part of her stories too. Gerard Manley Hopkins' famous uh, poem "God's Grandeur" might be uh, one of the best um, just examples of the sacramental imagination here. Uh, so it's a short poem, so I'll go ahead and read it to you. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? 
Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things, and though the last lights off the black west went, oh morning at the brown brink eastward springs because the holy ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with ah bright wings beautiful the world is charged with the grandeur of god that line in and of itself sums up uh i think the sacramental imagination um Another great example is uh, is is in Tolkien. Uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. There is not one single religious quote unquote moment in Lord of the Rings, and yet Tolkien himself would uh, describe Lord of the Rings as a foundationally, primarily Catholic work that is infused with the Catholic understanding of the world, and that's because he had such a sense of the sacramental. He had such a sense of the deep, deep truths of. Um, of virtue and of the reality that is played out on the stage of the world. So Lord of the Rings, even though there is not a single church, uh, even though um, that the, the characters are not quote unquote religious, is so sacramental, is so Catholic. And that is also a, uh, a way of understanding um, the sacramental worldview. And just to touch on very briefly, um, Kristen Laverne's daughter, which I mentioned last episode, I am rereading such a beautiful book. Please read it. I actually thought of the sacramental imagination while reading this, uh, just because the book is so, so infused with a sense of grace and sin and the immensity, uh, the immense consequences of our actions uh, on 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 all levels, um, on, on other people, and on the level of the soul, which is something that uh, is lacking in a lot of art today and is lacking in a lot of our own uh, understandings of the world. And it's it's just beautiful to read uh, a book that takes this very, very seriously. And even little things, like I was saying earlier, uh, the way that they measure time was by feast days, that, that, that everything was sort of infused with this understanding uh, of of God's reality in the world and what what it means when other people believe that around you um, because there's this sense that uh, many many pe- many many people fail to live up to their own expectations and to the expectations uh, of morality of of God but that they all believe it <laughs> and uh, I think that that is something that's very difficult in our world today no matter what your belief system I don't care if you're listening and you don't believe in anything but that that you may have a completely different belief system than your neighbor is having a big impact on you and actually affects the way you see the world and uh, as we're all scrolling and doing all sorts of things and you see as you know 60 not just opinions different opinions but 60 different views of the world where we're debating absolutely foundational things this is having an immense impact on the way we we see things and it's going to have an immense impact on uh whether or not you are able to participate in the world on the sacramental level uh but that again this is this is a beautifully um 
rebellious act, I think, that, that I want to encourage you to, to participate in is to look at the world sacramentally, is to see things infused with meaning, to say, I, I, I believe that there is meaning in this. I believe there's a deeper layer. I believe I am only seeing the surface of things and I know, I know there's, there's something bigger here. I know that, um, that, that, that water is not just water, blood is not just blood, that there is something that, uh, that, that is bigger than me. And, and I need to, um, I need to see it. I'm going to work hard to see it. And I think that that can be a, a rebellious thing to do, you know, rebel, you know, rebel against the dying of the light, (laughs) uh, and, and, uh, and and believe in the sacramental imagination and i just want to emphasize again that you have to work for it today it's not it's not like in kristen laverne's daughter daughter you're not in medieval doorway where everything is infused with this understanding um that uh that, that that other people are going to share and that you can all sort of see together uh you're going to have to work a little harder i'm just going to read you one quote here from kristen laverne's daughter She walked as if through a forest. The pillars were furrowed like ancient trees, and into the woods the light seeped, colorful and as clear as song, through the stained glass windows. High overhead, animals and people frolicked in the stone foliage, and angels played their instruments. At an even higher, more dizzying height, the vaults of the ceiling arched upward, lifting the church toward God. The song cut through her like a blinding light, and now she saw how deep in the dust she lay. And here is uh, another great quote. Uh, a A priest is saying this to her. Dear sister, all other love is merely a reflection of the heavens in the puddles of a muddy road. You will become sullied too if you allow yourself to sink into it. But if you always remember that it's a reflection of the light from that other home, then you will rejoice at its beauty and take good care that you do not destroy it by churning up the mire at the bottom. So there we have the idea of things, you know, in, the, in this metaphor, quite literally being a reflection, that the things we see reflect something else. And so again, there is a certain amount that we have to rely on our own knowledge and our own understanding of the world uh, to, bring, to bring to this. And this is honestly sort of the point of this podcast is to, uh, is to, to bring to life that idea that this quote uh, of St. Gregory the Great's, we make idols of our concepts, but wisdom is born of wonder, is to see the world through the eyes of wonder, is to remain in awe of the world, to never let it get uh, taken for granted, to never to never just uh, assume that um, that there that what is there is only what our eyes are seeing, but to assume that there is much more than we can see, that the world is bigger than we know, that 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 there is that there are, um, you know, that, that there's a whole other world beyond what we can see. Just like I said in last episode, this idea of the the fairy world, this parallel world, uh, that's certainly true too in the sacramental imagination of understanding the world as just being separated by this very thin veil. Uh, that that if we we see just right at these magical moments in our lives at these big moments in our life but then also uh, if, if we have the eyes to see it in mundane moments too when that veil is lifted and we can see clearly uh, if only for a moment so there you have it that is uh, just an introduction to the sacramental imagination i hope i've given you a few things to inspire you to read more and explore more and to uh just look at the world um through through these uh through this eyes of sacramentality through this eye 
uh, of immense meaning. So I'm going to leave you with a, uh, a, a beautiful bit of sacred music because that's one way too that the world becomes infused with meaning, infused with a sense of sacramentality is through the beauty of the arts. Um, and so I'm going to leave you with uh, foremost Renaissance composer, uh, I'm sure that you've encountered uh, his his work if you listen to any sacred music. This is a mass written by Palestrina. It's absolutely beautiful. I'll just pay, play the beginning um, and then uh, put the link in the show notes so you can listen to the whole thing. It's 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 absolutely beautiful. So I hope it transports you. I hope maybe you can put this on as you look out into the world, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. Uh, the sacramental imagination can bring immense depth and meaning to your life. Uh, I, I I hope I hope that you are able to bring to bring that lens to your life and to the world um, because we need it. We need it. And uh, even if it feels like you are going against the grain, you are. <laughs> um, if you're like, I'm going to start praying the Angelus at noon or something like that. These these are structures we give to our day that uh, that are sort of in defiance of, uh, of the way the rest of the world measures measures our lives. We say that there's a deeper, better way to measure our lives, and I'm going to infuse it with a sense of, uh, of sacramentality. I'm going to, to uh, infuse it with ideas like angels and, uh, and, and, and prayer and belief and love and compassion and all these things are going to be just infused in my life in the way that I structure it, in the way that I see the world, in the way that I act with my family and my friends and everything else. Everything can be infused with the sacrament everything can be become beautiful and real and true and can lift that veil for us so uh, I hope that this is inspiring I realize that it's it's a bit rambling uh, I wish that I had the time to just write a really neat essay and uh, and uh, read it to you but um, you know <laughs> that's just not where I am in my life right now so I hope that you'll um, enjoy enjoy it anyway. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for being along with this podcast. Thank you for the nice messages. They mean a lot to me and uh, encourage me to keep making these. Um, I do appreciate your feedback. So uh, thank you so much. And um, I did want to mention one little thing, which is that uh, I got in the mail a wonderful gift from um, Carrie Gress. She runs the Theology of Home um, it's sort of a hub on the on the web. They have a shop and they they send out uh, a newsletter with writings around the web. They, uh, Carrie Gress was a very early supporter of the blog and sharing um, essays and things like that. She wrote a great book called The Anti Mary, which will make you very disturbed about many things in our culture and the and history. But um, she has been such a great supporter of my work, and I appreciate her so much. But she sent me. Uh, a a wonderful little sort of like a flip book of Stations of the Cross cards. Um, very convenient to just flip through. Um, I actually gave it to the baby to play with. She loved looking through it, which I think is cool. Um, again, a way to infuse your life with sacramentality. Uh, if you aren't familiar, if you're not Catholic, Stations of the Cross is a it's it's mostly i mean it's a lenten devotion on fridays where you'll often you'll go to church and um around the church there will be different spots maybe with a painting or a, a, a little carving on the wall or just a cross to represent uh these different moments in jesus's journey to the cross and there will be sort of prayers uh that the priest leads you leads you uh, in as you sort of make your way with christ to the cross and again, this idea of physically acting things out, of infusing your uh, life with meaning and living out 
um, you know, bringing, bringing that physicality, that reality uh, into your life. Stations of the Cross is a great example of that. But if you're like me and you have uh, a baby or a kids or you're just really, really busy, sometimes it can be hard to get to stations as often as you want to or at all. And this way you can have it for yourself and um, flip through it um, when you can, maybe use it with your kids. So I would recommend going on their website um, to, uh, to check it out. Um, and, uh, you know, she, she sent that she sent these with me to me just to be nice. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you know, you better promote this or anything like that. I'm just saying that I really like them and, uh, I think you might too. So I will put a link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Katie Marquette, and this is Born of Wonder.
here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing.